Good morning. Sunday morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to you from the lovely and sunny greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio. Uh, we're coming out here to bring you guys all of our facts and analysis from the week, what's going on in the news, what's going on in the world around you. And also starting the show off with the, uh, I think, the perfect intro to the show, which is uh, the creepy... Uh, Nancy Pelosi saying, good morning, Sunday morning. I might do that every time we open just to freak you people out. Um, but I thought it might be fun. So, um, lots of interesting stuff going on today, or, well, in the last week. Uh, I mean, we have the new variant, uh, the Decepticon Horcrux variant, or whatever the hell, of uh, COVID, which is just lambasting all sorts of stupidity. Yeah. And... Oh my gosh! But the uh, <coughs> the big thing is there was some some videos, some stuff that was going viral on the social media last night while we were getting everything prepped for the show, and that is that there was a random march of a group called the Patriot Front that started at like the Lincoln Memorial, and they kind of marched around the National Mall. And there has been just all sorts of speculation about, like, what can we know about this group? Of course, the media, the way that the uh, left-wing media, the mainstream media, sold it was super far-right white supremacist group is marching at the Capitol. So scary. Oh, that sounds terrifying. I I'm quaking literally in my, my slippers right now. It yeah, it it's just horrifying and terror now from the other side of it are a lot of people on the right saying ah it's a fed op so right. as in this was perpetrated by the federal government by the fbi in order to basically create fears about white supremacy so they can get more funding and claim that they're still a legitimate law enforcement agency Right, and, of course, pursue the political enemies of the Democrat Party. Right. What better way to get promoted as the head of the FBI than to help out the ruling party by helping them spread fear about a certain group? Right. Hey, everybody should be afraid of a group X that happens to exactly be the same group that the dominant political parties also are worried about. So... The interesting part about all of this, well, okay, let's take a look at a couple of things, right? Like, like, like it's worthwhile, I think, to look at both sides of the discussion. Um, number one is why is that? Because, of course, real quick, everybody on the left is super pissed off that everybody on the right is saying it's a fed up. Which I think is hilarious, which is why I'm not going to say, shut up, don't say it, oh my god, but I'm not going to be mad about it, because it angers the left wing so bad. They get super pissed about that. Um, they're like, 
like, oh my God, not every march is a fed up. Like every time something happens and there's a white supremacist group, the, uh, the, the right wing says it's all feds. Oh, it's so dumb. Well, the reason why the left gets so upset about that is because a lot of times it is the feds, which is why this is a popular thing. And it's not just the feds. Now, let me just give you a couple of examples. For instance, the uh, right before the election, there was this plan to kidnap Governor Whitmer that turned out to be mostly federal agents. Yeah, it was something like it's something like five out of the 11 people involved were all federal informants. Right. So that was mostly federal or well, not mostly, but, like, you know, it was like everybody that was well, part of the main planet. That that plot that plot to kidnap Governor Whitmer probably wouldn't have gone anywhere if it wasn't for federal agents encouraging people to to do it. It's the same as when they will find a a Muslim youth online who happens to look at and then pump essentially ISIS recruiting videos at them and then say, hey, you should meet up with Brother Ahmed at this hotel and buy a bunch of C4 that you can then use to attack the infidel. And then when he shows up, it's a bunch of federal agents waiting. Right. And what's what I guess is really scummy about this practice is it's is this is a kind of a normal law enforcement tactic. Oh, it's a sting. The problem becomes when you start creating it yourself. There's someone that when there's a person that wouldn't normally have, say, radicalized, and the FBI maybe helps them along that path, saying, here's a guy that we think is at risk of becoming radicalized. Let's let's befriend him on a bunch of internet forums, pretending to be jihadists, and then encourage him to, and then essentially radicalize this person ourselves. And then months down the line, we'll have a terrorist on our hands that we can then arrest and justify our budget. The pro- See, this is an issue because it's not that the FBI is simply doing a sting operation on a actual terrorist. It's that they are spending their time and resources to intentionally radicalize people, create, make them terrorists, and then try and then catch them in the act. Where you say, well, if you just didn't exist as an agency, we wouldn't even have these terrorists to begin with. Right. And yeah, that was like absolutely fair point. What I would say. So, okay. So to that, to that, um, there's also the whole, uh, a lot of the information that's coming out that's showing that like January 6th, so much of that seems to have been uh, like any of the actual entering of the Capitol and all this other stuff all seem to be perpetrated by federal agents or at least encouraged by there were embedded federal agents. Um, so, so many times we have found out that leaders of these like supposed right wing groups, uh, for example, the three percenters, apparently one of their main guys was on, on the dole or working with in some form or fashion, uh, with the federal government similar to, um, was it Patriot prayer? Also, like one of those guys, like point is, I I don't want to like misspeak, but a lot of times we seem to see a lot of, you know, weirdly federal agents involved. 
Um, and it goes back even further. It's not even just recent stuff. I mean, there, there's, uh, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, so I apologize, but there's a hilarious statistic where like so much of the Ku Klux Klan were federal agents that they basically are, were federal informants of some form or fashion that like the federal government made up the majority of the Ku Klux Klan at one point in this country. Yeah. And and that's a real thing. I got a lot of uh, I know it's the case with many neo-Nazi groups that I think the, the Daily Stormer, I believe, is sort of the the big neo-Nazi magazine that everybody is all upset about. And it turns out the guy that started it and ran the Daily Stormer was, I believe, I think in the end, it turned out he was actually a Jewish federal agent. Yeah, this was a joke for years. Uh People used to make the joke that the Daily Stormer was a honeypot put forward by the FBI. Whether or not that was true, I mean, it sounds like it sounds like more information may have come out. But like, I remember ten years ago, people making the joke about the Daily Stormer was just a honeypot for uh, FBI agents. Like yeah. nobody nobody took it seriously. Is the point now? So the the fact of it is is that like this is why the right wing immediately when they see something that might be. Um, might turn out to be like basically bad press. Let's just call it that. Let's call it bad press. They immediately go, ah, it's probably the feds. Now, and let's not forget that uh, just a few weeks ago, or maybe a month ago by now, uh, that the Lincoln Project paid four people to pose as white supremacists at a Glenn Youngkin rally. That's also true. So, that like, really happened. It's not uncommon, like it's not unheard of. Okay, so that's why people would look at something like this, this Patriot Front, and go, "Oh, it's probably a Fed op." Because let's be fair, there's a bunch of Fed ops. There's that, uh, oh, there was the January sixth, uh, ga- or not justice, justice for January sixth, where a bunch there were literally a bunch of guys that you look at and you go, "These all look like Army PFCs." You know, yeah. and there's always that there's that picture of all of them and they're in their like shorts and their, you know, T-shirts and the, whatever. So the point, the fact right. is, is that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fact is, we do live in a world where this is a reality. Right. So. So let's let's pull that thread a little bit on why some people I mean, aside from what we just stated, the fact that the feds absolutely do basically false flags to try to malign the right wing. So the Democrats can try to jail their political enemies. Um, Other things that people have noted that I found interesting, and we're going to do the other side of it too. So don't worry. um, Is the same uniforms. That is something that I find fascinating from the perspective of the amount of logistics and potential funding necessary for everyone to have the exact same like uniform. Now you could tell people, Hey, go out and buy a pair of khakis and we're going to give you a jacket. I'm not saying it's impossible for that to have happened. Yeah. But it is not really, it's one that it's, it could be suspicious, but it might not necessarily, but it's fairly uncommon. And I do think that that's notable. It's fairly uncommon to see, political groups that have a uniform doesn't mean that it's impossible but fairly uncommon all the same hat all the same little white mask all the same jacket suggests maybe there's funding and it would be weird that a relatively obscure group 
has that kind of ability. Not impossible. Maybe it's just, hey, everybody, we've got a guy who makes these jackets. It's 15 bucks. It's part of your admission or some something. Yeah. Like, like I said, like it's not impossible, but it is strange. You didn't see similar uniform. You, you didn't see a uniform for the Tea Party. You didn't see a uniform for, you know, some of these other things. Now, you know, like uh, some of the other like Patriot groups and stuff, they'll all kind of wear like the, uh, I don't know, call them tactical pants and like old combat boots and maybe a plate carrier. So that could be similar, but this was very much a like work uniform, right? Sure. So, okay. Uh, you know, I, I think it's reasonable to say like, it's a little strange. It's uncommon. Doesn't immediately suggest. Another thing that I have seen that I found interesting was body type. And this is something that you do have to pay attention to when you're trying to evaluate things like this. These were all very fit people. Once again, not impossible, but it is a little strange for getting a group of people to all show up somewhere and do a thing. And they all have the same body style that does look very much like the type of body style that's recruited into things like the military and the FBI. Sure. Especially when it's a cross section of Americans in an area that can get close enough to DC. Right. So now I have mm-hmm. heard of this group before right. and I haven't, I haven't heard of, I guess it just this group specifically, I can't say whether it's the head op or anything like that. It doesn't seem to be because the actual mark doesn't seem to make sense from that perspective. Like, what was the point of this? If, if this was a bunch of fed, it's not like justice for January 6th. The point was to actually get in fights and align the right wing and paint them as dangerous. This part essentially went seemingly without a hitch. There wasn't a bunch of problems. A bunch of people didn't get arrested. That seems to, to me can potentially indicate that it is on the level, that it is a bunch of, it is a group called that is what is hey, Alan. Necessarily Sorry, real quick. Now, you, the problem is... Alan, your microphone's fading a lot, so I don't know if you have something open on your computer or whatever, but it's being very wobbly. Let me fiddle with that. Yeah. Um, sorry, I, I know I know, kind of okay, where you were that's going. That's fine. That's fine. Um, yeah, just, just make sure all the settings are right. I don't know. Um once again, uh, we're we're still trying to make sure audio issues work, and Spreaker is not being great about trying to help us with that. But hopefully, the cracking and popping is mi- as minimal as possible uh, for us projecting through Skype, which apparently is way more difficult than it needs to be for literally no reason. But don't worry about it, folks. Um, no, to to Alan's point. Um, so this isn't. It is a relatively obscure group. Uh, I've heard. Uh, Alan's heard of them. I, I believe I, I've heard of some of the things that they've done. Mostly it's like graffiti, sending out flyers. I think, were they the group that was behind posting? It's okay to be white stickers all over stuff. You know, I'm not sure about that exact one. The one I do remember is they marked, they did a march in sort of a march in Colorado where they basically went hiking and they oh, okay. dressed in the same uniforms that you just kind of saw that in, in this video and they hiked up to a mountain. They had a big banner that said Patriot Front Reclaim America, took pictures from the top of this mountain. And 
that was sort of the that was the last thing I really remember they did that was any that was sort of big. Okay. All right. Well, so okay. So we, to that point, um, so we take this group of people, you know, what have you, however we want to look at it. Um, cool. In that respect, so I've given you all the reasons why people think it's a Fed op. Now there's some of the ones that it wouldn't be. Number one would be that this is. They've been heard of before, but they're, when I say relatively obscure, it's just, you don't hear about them that often. It's not that many people. There's nothing massive really going on. They just kind of exist. And like Alan just said, I've heard of them like posting some things up. Like uh, sometimes they'll go after like Antifa graffiti and they'll spray paint things over it. They've put out some flyers here and there. It's like they don't do much. That's not like they don't do anything super notable, which isn't a bad thing. Um, I, I can tell you one thing is what we've never heard of is like violence. But we never hear about violence from any right. of these right wing groups. We hear about how they're these horrible fascisty, oh gosh, white supremacist or what the hell ever. But then everyone goes, okay, so like what have they done? Well, they show up at things. Oh, okay. They like show up with flags. Okay. Right. Like, I, who cares? Well, I think that they have bad ideas. Well, I can't trust what you say their ideas are because you lie all that. Like, t- full disclosure, I don't know anything about the beliefs of this group. Uh, but secondarily, I don't believe anything people tell me about the beliefs of this group because the media lies all the time. Exactly. If you If you look at what I've seen from Patriot Front, it seems very curated to not allow people on the left to call them racist Nazis. Exactly. If I was the feds, if there, this was some sort of false flag attempt to get people ginned up against all the, all the right are Nazis and evil and racist, you would have had the mark. They would have been marching with swastikas, or they would have been marching with, it would have been much more blatant. It essentially would have looked like something the left created Whereas it doesn't necessarily seem that way. The the vibe I get from Patriot Front is that if I was someone on the left trying to make a group that I would then use to malign the right, I would not necessarily come up with what looks like Patriot Front. I would come up with something a lot more militant looking, a lot scarier looking. They would be dressed in all black. That's The fact that they're all just in khakis and a polo it reminds me a lot of the the Charlottesville, uh, where it's a bunch of dudes in khakis and polos with tiki torches. That doesn't look that really threatening. The media made it look threatening, but those things were intentionally designed not to give the left ammunition or to make their criticisms look unhinged. You see all these guys marching at the Capitol. They're wearing khakis and blue shirt, blue uh, jackets, and they're carrying American flags. When someone on the left claims these guys are a bunch of evil Nazis, look how horrible. It's going to fall kind of flat with anybody that doesn't already believe that because the imagery is not aggressive enough to allow that thought to perpetrate. It it just doesn't look it doesn't look scary enough to scare normal people into thinking that they are a problem. It simply looks like a bunch of guys peacefully marching at the Capitol that are nicely dressed with American flags. 
Right. That's why I feel like it doesn't seem it seems legitimate simply from that perspective. If they were getting into fights with Antifa, I would be a little more suspicious. If they were had much more blatant, say, white supremacist propaganda on their website, I would be much more suspicious. It seems like they are making taking a lot of care to ensure that they they can't that any criticisms like that are seemingly baseless. And that's I don't know. I, I like I said, I can't guarantee anything about this group, but the basic vibe that I get from them is not that they're essentially a bunch of federal agents trying to make the right look bad. Like January, uh, January 6th is a good example. A bunch of people showed up to peacefully protest outside the Capitol, and then federal agents and Antifa members in, in the crowd led them inside the Capitol. And that, that changes it and makes it very different. Right. Now, to, to your point, um, well, so one of, the, one of the things that you brought up was like, oh, if they were fighting Antifa. So one of yeah. the tactics that's, uh, that appeared to be or one of the things that appeared to be uh, how how they ran this um, situation was basically like a flash mob. They showed up almost with no like outward announcement. Right. Uh, like the, yeah. the members just kind of showed up. They gathered. They did their march. They left. Right. Super quick, right. super simple. There are absolutely posts being shared by people like Andy No showing like, ah, here was Antifa trying to get people to come out there. No, oh, the fascists are coming. You have to stop them. Let them know they're not welcome. Well, let me point something out here. Nothing happened. So I understand the wariness of the right wing because the feds do things to try to get the right wing targeted. That absolutely happens. So I understand the wariness. But we also don't need to react every time the left goes boo. Because what happened right. was a bunch of left wing journalists went, Oh my God, super fascisty group of people are at the Lincoln Memorial. Oh dear God. And everybody on the right went, probably fed up, probably fed up. Because they were what, what it was is they were afraid of what was going to happen next. Exactly. And I understand that. Now, what would prove the whole fed up idea is, oh, okay, and let me guess, a bomb threat was called in at, like, the Department of Treasury that had nobody at it? Hmm. You know, those kinds of things are why you go, okay, yeah, that sounds like some fed stuff. But nothing happened. And the reason why I think that that is super notable isn't isn't me saying, ah, the Patriot Front, it's absolutely real and it's not a fat op and whatever. I mean, maybe it is. Antifa didn't show up. Nothing bad happened. I think that that is the absolute equation 100%. Mm -hmm. Antifa didn't have the ability to show up. And therefore, no violence occurred. So regardless, yeah. like I said, we don't know. I don't know what's true and what's not about this group. Doesn't really matter to me. If they're a super fascist, you know, white supremacist, identitarian, whatever the hell group, well, then they're still a nonviolent group who did nothing wrong. They showed up, they marched around, they left. They probably picked up trash. Not going to lie, pretty common. But nothing bad happened. There were no buildings that were burned down. There were no random civilians that were assaulted. 
Uh, they weren't even like demanding any sort of violence. They just showed up and reclaim America. They had a speaker. I don't know what the guy said. I didn't listen to it. Doesn't really matter. And then they left. That's all that happened. So the media is going to sit there and scream about like awful, angry, evil fascists. And it's still better than any leftist protest. Yeah. Like the National Mall with a group of supposed fascist racists was still safer than when liberals show up. Which Which brings me to another point. Charlottesville would have been a completely and entirely unnotable event if Antifa hadn't shown up. Yes. In fact, every single one of these situations in which violence occurs with a group of people, uh, a group of anybody from the right at a rally, every single situation in which violence occurs has one factor and one single factor only. And that is liberal protesters showing up. That's the only thing that equates to violence happening. Now, does it mean that the right wing has to be present for the left wing to get violent? No. 2020 proved that absolutely. They'll be violent regardless if the right wing's there. They'll burn Minneapolis to the ground. Exactly. And I think that it's time that Americans start acknowledging that fact. It doesn't matter how awful you think the thoughts of a group of people are. They're not doing anything. They're not hurting anyone. But if the left shows up, violence will occur. That has to be addressed. Somebody's thoughts and ideas are not more threatening than the deranged liberals who burn buildings down and injure civilians and are responsible for the death of 60 people during the summer of 2020. Right. And I think you might even be preaching to the choir here. I think a lot of people have also know what? No, I'm I'm sure I'm sure I am. (laughs) A lot of people have noticed this. I would say that your comments are most specifically directed to People on the right who, when they see things like this, get all a tizzy and upset because it's like, oh, we this is going to make us look bad. The left is going to use this to say that we're bad, evil Nazis. Oh, no. Yeah, they're going to do that and, anyway. <laughs> right. And that's that's the exact point is yeah. if the right wing does anything, people on the right are like we're our own biggest enemy. Because we're so afraid of the left that we will intentionally stop anyone on our side from doing anything productive because we're too worried about the blowback. Right. Well, and that that's my other primary concern, if I'm if I'm being completely honest here, is like my initial reaction when when you and I were discussing this and everything was like. Yeah, like, I don't know, maybe it's a fed up. You you had some really great points on why you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, what's the point of it? Whatever. But the other side of it is it's like, I would say, like, are there federal agents probably in this group? Yes, 100%. And I hate that. Now, it doesn't yeah. make it untrue. And I don't want people to be discouraged from gathering together with like-minded individuals to, you know, have civic uh you know, reactions and, and 
you know, gatherings and things like that, except for the fact that I, I 100% have to say you need to be wary because the federal government absolutely infiltrates these groups uh, with the 100% intent of jailing the enemies of the Democrat Party. They don't do it to Antifa. There aren't Antifa members getting arrested for, you know, derailing trains, which, by the way, absolutely happened. Mm-hmm. Like that, There's been legitimate terrorism committed by these people. Um, the feds aren't infiltrating those groups. Why? Because they're working for the elites. Yeah, but which is interesting, you know, but I don't similarly to that. I don't want to discourage people from gathering together and make everything a fed op. I think I think that that's also a fed op. Ah, convince the right wing that they can't trust anybody. That'll atomize them and make them never gather together. So, yeah, it definitely is a. It definitely makes it difficult for us because when you when you know that the federal government is trying to do things and trying to plant people in these groups, in any right wing group, so they can essentially sow discord and drive things into a space where they can arrest everybody. It makes it very difficult to trust anonymous individuals when you gather together together, which is hard because it's very it's hard to grow any kind of movement without incorporating people that you don't already know and trust. You have to kind of step outside the box to grow a group, but how do you grow a group if you're all too paranoid that the next guy is going to be a federal agent that ends up with everybody getting arrested? For nothing. Right, remember- and, here's, and, and mm-hmm. here's the problem. The problem is we are in opposition to the regime. We are in opposition to the federal government. And inevitably... That, that makes it so that if you were the federal government with all the anti-terror laws that we have, it's not that far of a stretch to for them to apply all of those things to, to the rhetoric of groups like, say, Patriot Front. They can claim, reclaim America, that's white supremacist terrorism. Now we can open up the Patriot Act on everybody here and find something we can get you indicted for even if even if we have to twist it it's like somebody if somebody said the wrong thing in a text message well we interpret that as a threat of violence and now we're going to arrest everybody even and here's i guess the big issue with a lot of this is it's not so much that they can arrest people and make it stick the making you go through the process is the punishment mm-hmm. so Say you're at say you're a concerned parent that's worried about critical race theory being taught to your children in schools, mm-hmm. and you show up to a PTA meeting and you say we're not going to stand for this. Well, as we saw that the DOJ said, well, these people are terrorists. Well, now you if and it's not that hard far of a stretch for someone to look into these people, open the Patriot Act, look into all their electronic communications find something that seems like a threat of violence, then investigate you, get you drawn before a judge, all these things. Now, maybe at the end of the day, you lawyer up and it's like, this is totally baseless. But how many months or even years of your life did you just have to sacrifice? How many thousands of dollars did you have to sacrifice to hire a lawyer to get this worked out, to prove your innocence? It's not so much that they care about actually throwing these people in prison. They care about derailing people's lives and interrupting them so much 
that essentially blacklist them from participating in society. And that's scary enough. I mean, if you were, say, a soldier and you were like, I'm a soldier, I took an oath to the Constitution. I don't like what the government's doing. I am on my I am off duty, out of uniform, going to attend a political rally. Well, let's say the FBI gets wind of it. You then your chain of command gets notified that you're part of a terrorist group and then you get dishonorably discharged. And all of this is politically charged and kind of nonsense, but just enough they can make the case that a bunch of leftist allies rubber stamp the documents. You could easily be get dishonorably discharged. Now you can never own firearms. Now you have this black stain on your record all because you were opposed to the leftist regime and they used just enough bureaucratic force to really screw your life over. It didn't land you in prison, but it's enough that it's, it's, it's enough that normal people wouldn't want to risk it. Well, now you, you bring up an interesting point. You talk about the Patriot Act. You talk about parents that were uh, protesting um, school boards. And uh, Jim Jordan, Senator Jim Jordan, this week actually laid out uh, the timeline of how this exact situation occurred uh, with regards to um, the, I guess, uh, like the the letter that came from the National School Board Association and all of these other things. And it's interesting because in the timeline that he lays out, he just so happens to reveal uh, what would appear to be that um, this all actually came from the Biden White House. The Biden White House had to be the people who set all of this up. So let's real quick, uh, he was in a committee meeting with the House Judiciary Committee, or, or sorry, the Senate Judiciary Committee, um, and uh, he he lays out the timeline here uh, in front of the committee. So let me play that audio real quick. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, the Administrative Procedures Act is important, and I look forward to our hearing today and hearing from our witnesses. But I will tell you this, what's more important is the fact that the Justice Department continues to treat parents as domestic terrorists. And the fact that the Attorney General hasn't been called back by our chairman to answer our questions when 41 days ago he came in here and misled us, and more importantly, misled the American people, I just can't figure out. I want the committee to understand this. In a 24-day time period, here's what happened. On September 29th, the National School Boards Association writes a letter to the President of the United States asking the President to use the Patriot Act to go after moms and dads. One of the individuals who signed that letter, Ms. Garcia, two days later, on October 1st, gets a plum position on a board at the Department of Education. Three days after that letter is sent to the President of the United States asking him to treat parents as terrorists, the weekend of October 2nd and 3rd, Tim Langan, the head of the counterterrorism division at the FBI, is already having conversations with the Justice Department on how to implement the letter sent from the School Board Association to the President of the United States. So think about that. The head of the counterterrorism division at the FBI is already talking about how to implement the memo that hasn't yet been sent from the Attorney General. And we know this because of questioning our colleague, Ms. Stefanik, had of Mr. Langan in front of the House Intel Committee. And of course, on October 4th, five days after the letter was sent, 
we have the now famous memo from the Attorney General where he says, we want to open, send to all 94 judicial districts around the country, every single district, we want a dedicated line of communication for threat reporting on parents, a snitch line on moms and dads. All that happens in five days. Now, I've been around government a while and I've never seen government move that fast in my life. Two weeks later, October 20th, because of a brave whistleblower, there was, we know about an email sent from the same guy, Mr. Langan, the head of the counterterrorism division of the FBI. He sends an email to special agents in charge, FBI agents around the country saying, put this threat tag, this designation, this label on parents who show up at school board meetings and speak out against this curriculum that they don't want their children taught. The next day, pretty important day, October 21st, the Attorney General comes in front of the House Judiciary Committee and says this, quote, I could not imagine any circumstance where parents are treated as domestic terrorists. The only problem is, the only problem is 24 hours earlier, the head of the counterterrorism division had sent out an email saying exactly the opposite, using counterterrorism measures against parents, against moms and dads. And of course, the next day, October 22nd, the National School Board Association, because of the political fallout, they thought it was going to be a political winner. It turned out to be a political loser for them. The National School Board Association withdraws the letter, and they say in that letter, we regret and apologize for the letter we sent on September 29th. All that happens in 24 days. Again, I have never seen government move that fast in my life. Now, those 24 days are just part of the story, though, because the most important part is what happened before September 29th. The most important part is the coordination between the White House and the School Board Association before the letter was ever sent. Here's what we know from FOIA requests, from communications by, made by Mr. Slavin and Ms. Garcia. Here's what Mr. Slavin said. The White House requested additional information from the National School Board Association before the letter was sent. And Ms. Garcia said this, quote, the National School Boards Association communicated for several weeks with the White House before the letter was sent. In other words, this thing didn't start. I mean, this is the real story. The National School Boards Association letter wasn't the catalyst for this flurry of activity by the Department of Justice against moms and dads. It wasn't the catalyst. It was just the pretext. It didn't originate with the School Board Association. It started with the Biden administration and with the Garland Justice Department. They were looking for an excuse, looking for a pretext to target, to threat tag moms and dads. And the fact that it's been 41 days since the Attorney General sat at that desk and lied to this committee and we haven't called him back, I, I just can't believe it. So Mr. Chairman, I hope, I hope the Chairman of the full committee We'll ask Mr. Garland to come back and answer our questions. Because we have seen this pattern before, frankly. And I know the Democrats all day like to make fun of this. But this, we've seen this pattern before. We saw this with the Justice Department in the, Biden, in the Obama-Biden uh, administration. We saw Mr. Comey and Mr. McCabe. We saw that Justice Department, that FBI, used the dossier as a pretext to do what they wanted to do. Namely, go spy on the Trump campaign. They knew the dossier was garbage. But they used that as the pretext, as the excuse to go do what they already wanted to do. Same pattern here. Exact same pattern here. They get the school board association to write the letter. Oh, here's our excuse to do what we wanted to do. Wow. Big, 
Big words. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> there you guys have it. That There's an entire rundown. Uh, yeah. So, so long story short here, what, what, what Jim Jordan's pointing out is that it's impossible that this wasn't planned by the Biden white house. Exactly. And yes, you're right. It, it is impossible. That it wasn't planned by the Biden white house. I do not understand at all how Republicans can watch things like this happen. They watch the dossier happen. They watch the entire Obama administration do things like this. They've seen all of that, and yet they still side with Democrats on on things. They still will vote with Democrats on things like expand making a federally man a federal vaccine database. I I don't get it. You recognize that these people have zero respect for the rule of law. They have zero respect for all of the the separation of powers, for all the things that are supposed to protect civil liberties. They have demonstrated time and time again to their faces in front of them in Congress that they do not respect all of these supposedly principles of America that keep American citizens safe. And yet these same Republicans will then go, well, they want a federal... Uh, vaccine database i'm sure no one would use that for nefarious purposes let's rubber stamp that they want a giant infrastructure bill yeah that sounds like a great idea now now, now what what alan's referring to for those of you who aren't aware uh 80 republicans in the house to include people like dan crenshaw who had the cringiest tweet which is not abnormal for dan crenshaw um had the cringiest tweet because he was tweeting out about Australia and how awful Australia is because they have like their COVID camps and things like that. But people like Dan Crenshaw, uh, you know, Republican from Texas voted 80 house Republicans voted for a federal vaccine database. And you have to be an idiot If you can't recognize that this is 100% going to be used to oppress people. Right. The the only reason that we don't have the crushing vaccine mandates, the obliteration of bio-civil rights, the only reason we are, one of the main reasons we are avoiding that in the United States is because we do not have the federal government does not have access to your medical records in that sense. There is no federal database over who has the vaccine and who doesn't. You have to show your dumb little card. That is a huge roadblock to not only the government, but private businesses forcing the vaccine on people. And if they force that vaccine, well, what else can they force on you in the name of the greater good for health? The fact that we keep the federal government in the dark on that is what is protecting us from that crushing oppression of our civil liberties. And a bunch of Republicans just voted to end that. No, no, it would be good if the federal government had the ability to crush your civil liberties and your own, like, biological civil rights. Right, and they're going to say, What are you doing, Dan Crenshaw? Look. (laughs) They're going to sit oh there gosh. and like, say, well, we were just modernizing it because, I mean, it's, you know, it needs to be updated. It's like, no, like that, that's the whole thing. I don't care what excuse they try to use for it. Like, okay. So either they're working for the other side and they're okay with Australia level, you know, COVID oppression, 
or they're so dumb and so detached from reality that they look at something like, oh, updating the infrastructure for like vaccines to make sure that they can all be tracked and we can, you know, get, you know, make sure that everybody's taken care of. Oh, geez, that sounds like a good thing. I'm going to vote for it. It's like, dude, if you can't see how the left would absolutely weaponize that to oppress people, then honestly, it's hard for me to believe that these people could be that stupid and that detached. And if that is the reason, if it happens to be that they aren't evil, that they aren't all working together just to oppress American civilians, and they're that dumb, I actually think that might be worse. It actually might be worse that Republicans are that stupid rather than them being malicious. It definitely seems like it. So, (laughs) like, hey, Dan Crenshaw, you like the Second Amendment? What happens when the ATF says, well, uh, in order to get your federal background check approved, you have to be like, well, we have to run it through the federal vaccine database first. Or what happens he when... then go, oh my gosh, they're abusing the system that I paved the way for. Or, or or even better, what happens when they call gun violence a public health emergency? Exactly. And what then happens... a bunch of Democrats go, well, we do have uh, a lot of votes in the House and Senate. We're going to just amend the National Firearms Act to uh, incorporate that. Because right. in, the, in, the, in the name of national health, national security. Yeah, what happens when they call uh, global warming a public health emergency? Yeah, it's it's so dumb that I almost think it's impossible they're this stupid. Yeah, like oh, you, I'm sorry, you can't drive a car. You have to take a bus because uh, global warming's a public health emergency. Yeah, <laughs> that's like prove me wrong. Um. Yeah. But no, that's exactly it is like just just so you guys are all aware, 80 House Republicans voted for a federal vaccine database. That's true. Yeah, that happened. Thanks, guys. Yeah. So, well, of course, Colleen's pointing out, hey, you do realize they're already trying that. Meaning calling like oh, yeah. gun violence and global warming. Up. Yeah. Yes. Over nothing against you, Colleen, but a year and a half ago, we called it. When they started with all the COVID stuff, we said they're going to start calling these other things public health emergencies. That is going to happen. Yeah. And why is no one in Dan Crenshaw's office going, hey, you know, they're already trying to do this. Maybe we shouldn't uh, pave the way for them to abuse this more. Well, and, you know, there's no way Dan Crenshaw doesn't know this. He's sitting in Congress. He knows exactly what they're trying to do with these things. The only answer is that he is actually just a traitor. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. There, there's no possible way he's this dumb. The only the only answer is that he is he knows what they're doing and he is lying to his base and he is actively aiding and abetting the enemy. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like it 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 doesn't matter whether whether it's intentional or whether it's through stupidity. We don't need people like that in the Republican party. What good is what yeah. good is someone like Dan Crenshaw? Like, oh hooray, he was a, he was in a SEAL team. He's a wounded veteran. Oh geez, yeah, gosh, yay! You know, so, like Adam Kinzinger is a veteran too. 
And that guy is on the January 6th committee oppressing Americans on behalf of the Democrat Party because they voted the wrong way. Um, Exactly. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't care. Like the guy's a neocon at best, at best, he's a neocon at best. At yeah, worst, he's a neocon at best and a rhino at worst. Yeah, at worst, he's a progressive that knew that the only way he could get into the government was to run as a Republican because he was in Texas. Yeah, and he could play on the whole "I'm a veteran" thing. Yeah, I'm a veteran, and well, geez, honestly, like, feels a lot like he was just saying, like, "Oh, I, I'm a Navy." It seems like a bunch of people were like, "Let's find some gullible dude." who's a Navy SEAL because then a bunch of idiot Republicans will vote for him. And then we can get essentially our guy into Congress in the name of the Republican party. And then he'll vote however we tell him to vote. Well, and just a reminder, uh, I'm, I'm going to beat on this because I can. And uh, because you and I were enlisted, Dan Crenshaw was an officer and a requirement for you to be an officer in the United States military is you have to have gone to college. No offense, Alan, you went to college, but, um, Which means that basically to be an officer in the military, you had to have gone to a state-sponsored indoctrination facility. Mm -hmm. Also known as a college. Not everybody that goes to a university gets indoctrinated, but but universities are in fact used to indoctrinate people into dumb progressivism. Yeah. It, you have and to... also if you're an officer it means you spent this whole a whole bunch of time being super duper concerned about how your appear what about your appearance about getting promoted about a bunch of other dumb nonsense in order to essentially make sure you rose through the ranks and i feel like vast majority of the time that morally compromises you and it makes it so i do not trust people that were officers in the military now many of them can be trustworthy but the fact that you were an officer in the military to me honestly decreases my level of trust in you because so many times you have to compromise your morality in order to move up in that system yeah almost the only like uh, the the most prevalent liberalism that i saw in the military was from the officer corps yeah because it's all about say it's being an officer in the military and rising through the ranks is a lot more about appearing to be good than actually doing your job well the vast majority of military officers spend the vast majority of their careers in garrison duties not in combat so officers that perform well under fire is honestly less valuable as of of a trait than officers that perform well in the bureaucratic and in the bureaucratic sort of palace intrigue of being in garrison officers that are good at that get promoted more than officers that are really good at leading troops in combat because leading troops in combat is a very minuscule amount of your responsibility as a military officer. The vast majority of time you're in garrison doing stupid garrison things, trying to impress the Colonel in order to make sure you get promoted. And the only way you can impress the Colonel in a garrison environment is being the, being the guy with the most friends, being the guy that says all the right things, being the, the the guy with all the shining you know gold stars and no black eyes, all the feathers in his cap. So the pragmatic, I'm a really good leader of men, and I have a strong, upstanding moral fiber and character. That might only matter during actual combat, but that's such a minority of the military experience that those people honestly get passed up for promotion by people that play the political game, 
And that's why I don't trust a lot of officers. Like I said, many of them are good people. Many of them are very trustworthy and skilled and great. But it simply means that the fact that you are an officer should not even should not immediately equate with you're a trustworthy person of high moral fiber. Right. It's the same with someone that was saying, I was a U.S. congressman. Well, that used that at one time that meant you were someone worthy of respect. Now it means I'm honestly kind of suspicious of you. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. <laughs> well, that doesn't help. Um, so, right. So, so there's, there's a lot there in the idea of, so not only was there obviously the vaccine database, like what we just talked about, but, but back, back to the kind of initial part of this is you had parents that were being threat tagged. Now, this is something that we've harped on for years now, uh, on this program. And one of the reasons why we, you know, this program is, is different from a lot of other uh, political programs is, you know, Al and I having been intelligence analysts, we know what that means. You know, a, a threat tag is a very specific term. And what it means is that not only so just, just so you understand, you know, it's a, it's a tag, like literally meaning it's something that is searchable, but it means that there is a categorization so the yeah. federal government has a threat categorization for people who protested school board meetings. And then in their database, not only did they have a categorization, they had tags that would go along with it, like emerging threats. So at some point, somebody sat down and now understand this is a very bureaucratic process. So, you know, I's have to be dotted, T's have to be crossed, all of that stuff. Yeah, somebody has to put in that uh, column on the Excel spreadsheet. Right, and understand this. They are saying, at least at the at, at the very best, they are saying that there was a consideration that parents being upset about curriculums is a potential, at the best, a potential issue for national security. Yeah. And the number of people's hands and eyes that that had to go through in order to to become reality is utterly ludicrous. You having an opinion on your child's education is a national security risk, according to the Biden administration. And I just... I just I want people to really absorb all of this data real really quick and I but you know Alan's going to accuse me of preaching to the choir and rightfully so here. But if you protested the election, you're a domestic terrorist. If you don't like the uh, liberal progressive curriculum that they're teaching your kids, you're a threat to national security. If you're a member of any right-wing group, you are a potential domestic terrorist. Think about this for a second. These are real things. This isn't hyperbole anymore. It was hyperbole two to three years ago when we were telling you this was going to happen. The initial time on this program where we said that this was going to happen was, I believe, two years ago at least when 
Alexandria mm-hmm. Ocasio-Cortez in a subcommittee meeting listening to people from the Anti-Defamation League. And she was saying that uh, white supremacy needed to be a domestic terror threat. And she was upset that the FBI wasn't investigating domestic terrorism. We said that the entire reason for that discussion was because they wanted to call anybody right wing domestic terrorists so they can investigate them. We said that at at a minimum two years ago, it might've been two and a half by now, but we said that on this program, we talked about how boxes needed to get checked for this to occur within the national security establishment. And the boxes have been checked and they are now using the national security apparatus to go after the political enemies of the Democrat party and the establishment in Washington, DC, and people still have the gall. People still have the gall to tell me, even though provably I have provable evidence that the government of the United States of America is targeting the political enemies of Joe Biden. People still have the gall to tell me they wouldn't steal an election. Yeah. Seriously. Like we, we have proof. Well, and by the way, not even, I say two, two and a half years ago when we called it that they were going to check all these boxes and use the Patriot Act and all this other crap. Five years ago, we told you that they were lying about Russian interference just to go after Trump. Yeah. Like these things are happening. Like it's like you're watching a movie. And the movie's not real well written and there's not really going to be any twists and you're about halfway through the movie and you go, oh, I know how this is going to end. Yeah. And so here I am wondering how the hell others don't see it. So I have to assume they do. They just don't care. It's. I think. Potentially, maybe it's that they not so much people don't care. I think it's it's all I think a lot of people do not want to recognize myself included that this is actually happening. It almost seems too crazy. Yeah. No, no, no. The federal government wouldn't do that. That's there's checks and balances. Somebody would be the adult in the room and prevent this. And I think that is it's a hard thing to process that this indeed is possible and it is possible that they're going to do this and no one is going to stop it at the government level. Right. Well, and I I think that that's the thing is from the regular layman perspective, I, I think that that's part of the concern here is when you're just a regular person, you have to sit there and go like, the problem is, is someone like yourself or members of our audience understanding this. The question is, is like, well, what the hell do you do? Yeah, that's the other issue is if this was real, well, what would I even do about it? And I think that that right. I mean, what do you do about it? It's like, well, you have to essentially avoid the avoid being targeted. That's all you can do about it. And then try to demand that this situation gets changed. And hopefully you would have, say, a Republican Party or that would 
work really hard to make sure the city government isn't violating your civil rights. Well, and, and that's so so understand this. And I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because it, it does feed into a, a point that I've wanted to make for a while here. Um, the point of a representative republic, the structure with which we have created our government is that we are supposed to elect representatives who go represent us in Washington, D.C. They vote on our behalf. Now, the reason for that is so we don't have to march to the Capitol every time our government tries to oppress us, every time our government tries to lie, cheat, and steal, every time our government uses its corruption and its influence to usurp the will of the American people. The whole point is that we vote for representatives to carve out the cancer that would destroy this country. Yeah. Now, the idea is that we ask, you know, we ask these representatives to go into government and do what we're asking. But now let me, well, number one, the Republican Party has just been awful at fulfilling this. Secondarily, take a look at what's happened recently. Uh, for example, Lauren Boebert. You know, she made fun of uh, yeah. uh, she made fun of Ilhan Omar, and now they want to strip her of committee assignments. Are we going to see the Republican Party stand up against it? Because Paul Gosar, they want to strip of committee assignments. They did the same thing to Marjorie Taylor Greene for no reason. The minute Marjorie Taylor Greene got into the House of Representatives, they said one time she said a thing about QAnon stripped of committee assignments. You have no representation because the GOP will not fight for you. Right. And I think that's the that is the the biggest single issue. It's not necessarily it's not what the left and the Democrats are doing. It's the bigger problem is the the people, groups, and bureaucracy that is supposed to prevent them from overreaching has been derelict in its duties. They haven't been doing what they are supposed to do, what we elected them to do, and that has paved the way for the left to do whatever it wants. Right. Like, because so this this is the point too, right? Like I said, representative republic. The entire point of a representative republic is you vote for the people who represent you. They go, they do things, right? Uh, it makes perfect sense. Right. So one thing that needs to be understood is any time that the Democrats go, oh, somebody said a mean thing on Twitter. We want to take away their committee assignments. They are stripping you of your representation. That's what's yeah. happening. That's, it's not just somebody did a mean and they're getting a slappy on the wrist. No, you're being stripped of your representation. Right. They're stripping American citizens of their representation and they're getting away with it because the the people that are supposed to be stopping these things or being upset about it are essentially cowed into silence. Well, now I'm going to play a clip here of a, uh, uh, MSNBC host who's super upset 
about uh, Ron DeSantis starting up the Florida State Guard. And what's amazing about this audio clip is I want you guys with the statement that we just made about how, you know, the point of our governments is that somebody represents you. Well, you have like the governor of Florida. This guy was voted by the majority of Florida citizens to be the governor of Florida. I want you to listen to how MSNBC talks about Ron DeSantis because this, this isn't unique to Ron DeSantis. This is every Republican. This is how they feel about every Republican. The people that you, the American people, voted for. So understand that. The people that you voted for. This is how they talk about it. So, um, here's, here's that clip. Give me just one second to key it up for you. Extreme anti under the moniker of conservative lawmakers wreaking havoc on our democracy. The latest Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, who has proposed establishing the Florida state guard. This is a civilian military force outside of federal control that would be deployed in response to state emergencies. Now, according to the governor's office, 22 other states have such civilian forces, but Florida man's track record is already causing concern, rightfully so. This is a man who defends his extreme anti-riot law, as he calls it, against protesters, even though a federal judge has ruled it unconstitutional. So we can certainly imagine what DeSantis might classify as an emergency. Joining me now, MSNBC contributor Malcolm Nance. He's the author of The Ploy to Betray America and professor at Georgetown University Law Center, Rosa Brooks, and she's the author of Tangled Up in Blue. Uh, Thank you both for being here. Um, Rosa, I want to start with you here because it feels like um, I want to call them right-wing extremists because that's what they are. I think when you say conservative, it sounds kinder and gentler than what these people actually are. And they're bleeding democracy by a thousand cuts. In Pennsylvania, um, two candidates or in two Pennsylvania communities, candidates who embraced election fraud um, allegations won races uh, last month to become voting judges. In Colorado, right-wing extremists are urging their followers um, to uh, for jobs to apply for jobs in election offices. Um, Trump allies are seeking to replace officials across the nation to decide how elections are run, to decide how elections turn out. How do we stop this? You know, I'll tell you one thing that just... Think about that question for a quick second. How do we stop this? How do you well, stop? And it just goes to show we're, we're doing exactly what the left did. Think of the things she described. They're asking their people to get involved in elections. They're they're running for offices because of things they don't like. They got a, they're getting elected. It's the, this is this is the normal democratic process. And actually, I'm pretty impressed that it seems to be working in our favor. That gives me a lot of hope, but it is interesting to look to see how immediately threatened they are when the system doesn't, when the normal system of addressing grievances by the, the and it's not an addressing grievance, the normal system in the, in this country amongst people of, what would I, what would be, the normal system of error correction of correcting things that people dislike, of walking back policies that are bad, of just correcting the excesses that the nation might go to, 
is exactly this. It's, well, we voted it. We voted in new people. We gotten more people involved in elections. We're doing all of these things because we're correcting what is seeming to be an error in our country. And that's, and they're threatened by that because at the end of the day, they really do not like normal people essentially opposing their whim. And it's very, very telling. Right. Well, and, and yeah, to that to that point, um, you know, uh, uh, amazingly, uh, uh, these right wing extremists. She's she's talking about literally every candidate. Yeah, she's these I they, you call them conservatives. I, they're right wing extremists. Like these random people in Pennsylvania and these people in Colorado and these, so every Republican candidate, every Republican candidate, you're calling them all extremists. You're calling them terrorists. Like, just, just like, understand this. This isn't a joke anymore. They are fundamentally trying to get everyone to assume that the political opposition are terrorists and must be destroyed and are a national security threat. If you're not a Democrat, you're a you're a threat. This, this is literally the Democrat Party has become everything that they claimed that Trump was going to create. Right. There were supposed to be right wing death squads and there were supposed to be concentration camps and all this other crap. And that's exactly what they're doing. That is exactly what they're doing in this country. And by the way, is anybody shocked that with this kind of rhetoric on mainstream media that a black man got behind the wheel of an SUV to go run over white people at a Christmas parade. I'm certainly not shocked. Like, of course, of course he went and murdered a bunch of white people. The mainstream media has been telling this guy and people like him for years now that the reason why his life sucks is because of white people and Christians and Republicans. So yeah. to be honest, we should actually be grateful that there is not as much left-wing terrorism in this country. Because the radicalization yeah. has been pretty regular. Yeah. I mean, just the the disproportionate way and the reason why I get so serious and get, get, get so like uh, wound up over this stuff is I, I remember because it wasn't that far. <laughs> so long story short, I was locked down in 2017 at work because a man went out onto a baseball field to assassinate Republican congressmen. So yeah. I remember it very clearly. What I don't remember is any FBI investigation into what radicalized that man. What I don't remember is any question about whether the politics that he followed radicalized him into violence and attempting to assassinate Republican congressmen. I don't remember any Mm -hmm. of that. But I do remember one guy having his car attacked, driving away, hitting some people results in massive federal investigations. I do. I do. I remember that for what was it? Charlottesville. Yep. And it was the, it was the worst thing 
It was it was basically the the second and maybe third Holocaust. Yeah, I I, I remember now that random boomers taking selfies inside the Capitol is like ten nine elevens. Yeah. So forgive me if I get a little upset that liberals, people who post, you know, liberal thoughts, Black Lives Matter rhetoric, you know, left-wing talking points on social media can go around and murder Americans with no question, no investigation, no looking into by the mainstream media. But if somebody vaguely seems conservative and does something maybe like breaks a window it's called domestic terrorism right and this is exactly what they want this is exactly how they've been pushing things and i think we all recognize it well and and to be fair to that i think a lot of america is recognizing it because let's just be honest one of the biggest leading factors to why i was like "Ooh, maybe the patriot front thing is a fed op which I'm not saying like, I don't, I don't think it was, or if it was, it was a very bad one. But point is the reason why I initially thought it was, is I was like, ah, this makes sense because no one act, no one outside of Washington, DC and newsrooms at CNN and MSNBC give a shit about January 6th. Literally nobody cares about it. The only place that January 6th is a concern is on Twitter. It's, it's the yeah. thing that dumb liberals use on Twitter. Like what about January 6th? And that's all a cope because they had to watch communities burn during the summer of 2020 and thought, Oh my God, I've this, this is really bad. Right. And so they used January 6th as a cope because they supported violent extremists that destroyed a bunch of cities in 2020. Right. Well, and they also they need the right wing to be violent because it justifies their paranoia. Yes. Yeah. And so because I've been watching some of the the January 6th committee stuff and everything, it's just I'm going to be honest. Everyday Americans don't care. They just don't care. Nor should they care. Nothing happened. Yeah, nothing. Well, and that's it is people just go, okay, I don't give a shit. Yeah, they shouldn't care because nothing happened on January 6th. Some people did a protest at the Capitol and were welcomed inside the building by the police. So the whole thing is contrived and it's all nonsense. And the entire point of it is to demonize the right wing is to and it's the whole point of it was to boost the power of the the political power of the, the Democrat Party. And give them an excuse to call their opposition terrorists so they could employ the entire Patriot Act anti-terror toolkit in suppressing their political opposition. That's exactly right. what it is. That's all it is. That's all it's ever been. And it's this, And as we've seen, these people have no scruples and they are willing to do this kind of thing to get and hold on to power. And the liberals that support them seemingly have no like the cognitive dissonance of this all seemingly has no limit and they are honestly most liberals are just too demoralized and afraid and confused that they don't even know what to support anymore and so they're just going by well i support democrat stuff 
Do you know what the Democrats are doing? I have no idea what the Democrats are doing. I don't care. Please don't tell me because I might have to recognize that I'm a gullible rube that got taken for a ride. Right. Well, and <laughs> interesting. You've been uh, unprepared, by the way. Uh, we didn't prepare this in, in advance, but you've been doing some really great lead-ins to different clips that I've gathered for for that. Because let, let's talk about gullible rubes for a second, because this is something that popped up um, a couple of days ago that I found really surprising because it has to do with the fact that the Omicron variant came out. And all for some reason, even like your normal shit lib comedy hosts are starting to kind of feel like something might be up because strangely, there was a statement from Trevor Noah, which is probably going to get him removed from television because he has some thoughts about vaccines. So uh, real quick, let me let me key up that clip for y'all. So, on the one hand, almost all the Omicron cases have been mild so far. But on the other hand, the guy who stands to gain millions of dollars from new vaccines says we need new vaccines. Huh. If we don't make a new vaccine, this disease could be with us Ferrari. I mean forever. Sorry, I was thinking of something else. Now, look, I'm not saying that the CEO of Moderna is lying. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying... I don't think he's the most objective source on this topic. Fascinating. Why do I I have a foreigner on TV TV telling me about about my own country? country? Well, yeah, there's there's definitely that is why is there like I, I don't know what the deal is with liberals wanting guys with British accents to tell us how to live our lives. Um, But they really love it when it's uh, Trevor Noah and uh, John Oliver. But, uh, you know, to the point, why did Trevor Noah suddenly decide that he was going to, like, look into who's making money off of uh, all these vaccine mandates and pushes? Because, you know, let's remind everyone, let's let's remind the audience that Pfizer is the fifth largest uh, donation stream to Congress. Yeah, f- f- or well, it's also the this number amount of stock. So it's Pfizer is the fifth most owned stock by members of the U.S. Congress. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I, I apologize. So yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, it does, that actually makes it worse almost. <laughs> so yeah. all these congressmen. Next time, anytime you hear about we need to mandate vaccines, vaccines need to anything you hear about vaccines and the federal government, remember. Lots of members of Congress have a monetary stake in how these vaccine companies perform. Mm -hmm. If the vaccine companies make more money, members of Congress make more money. They all bought into, they all bought stock in Pfizer before the vaccines rolled out, which kind of should tell you a lot about why these mandates are happening. It's the same for politicians in Austria, Australia, Germany, places where the vaccine is mandatory. The vaccine is also all funded by taxes. The vaccine is free to citizens. So every time a dose of the vaccine gets doled out, your tax dollars go to Pfizer and Pfizer's stock price then raises, which makes money for the politicians that mandated the vaccine. Right. 
Yeah. If you knew nothing, if you knew nothing else about the vaccine, that alone should make you extremely suspicious of it in its entirety. Right. But weird because why is Trevor Noah suddenly talking about it? That is very strange. Because he's owned. Has been available for a very long time, for pretty much the whole time. And people on the right have been very upset about this for literally the whole time. I don't know why Trevor Noah is suddenly breaking from his corporate masters and bringing this up. It means that somebody at that corporate level wanted him to, to say this. Yeah. And, and it, it, it absolutely know what does cover anything that is not run past the corporate board of whatever channel he's on, which essentially is owned by all these other large parent corporations. So I'm, I don't know necessarily why he is suddenly doing this, but it should make us all very, very suspicious. Oh, so, okay. Actually, Colleen brings up an interesting point here. Um, she said uh, she heard a, she heard a, a rumor that South Africa declined additional vaccines shortly before this new variant locked them out of the U.S. And that reminds me that Trevor Noah's from South Africa, and That's so true. understand uh, uh, the person who basically sounded the bell on this was from South Africa, and she was the she's like their top the. She's like the Dr. Fauci of South Africa. And she came yeah. out and said, hey, we found a new variant, but it's like super mild. Yeah, and then, super mild. And she actually posted an entire, I believe, article about, I'm super confused as to why people are overreacting about this Omicron yep. variant. I'm the doctor that discovered it. It's one of the most mild COVID variants we've ever seen. It's nothing to worry about. Why are countries going nuts, locking down and having all this all these reactions to Omicron when we publish the data showing that it's not anything anybody needs to worry about. Right. And, and that, so In that fact, might be, I would hazard a guess that if you got the Omicron variant and recovered, you would probably have antibodies that would protect you against other variants of COVID. But that's just a, that's just a guess. Yeah. It's just a guess. And based on what used to be science, Yeah, <laughs> but it's not science anymore. Because you have to check with the um, Democrat Party to figure out what is and is not science. Uh, because, yeah. you know. But uh, to to that point, they, maybe it is because, you know, the stuff originated in South Africa. And maybe he has a deeper connection to it. Maybe that's why he's asking these questions. Uh, to be honest, like, yeah, the reaction to it has been absolutely psychotic. Which... Of course, you know, it's because it fulfills a need. This is a cult. These people are a cult. Mm -hmm. They need this. It gives their lives meaning. It gives them something. Yeah. And that's the problem is. You know, we, we've we've talked about it before, but like, what, what are these people going to do with themselves when America, because Americans are getting sick of it. Um, there's plenty of states that are basically just back to normal. Um, a federal judge uh, just, or no, I'm sorry, one of the largest healthcare providers in the state of Florida removed the mandate for their healthcare workers to be vaccinated because it was in defiance of 
Florida state law saying that you can't mandate this. There's going to be more states that are going to follow this because there's going, it's going to be successful. People are going to be happier because they're going back to their regular lives. The economy is going to be doing better. People's wages are going to be doing better. There's no governor in the United States that's going to say, I want to make everything worse because I want the coastal liberals to like me but I want to be dragged out of my mansion by my voters. Like at a certain point, politically, the only way you're going to survive is to stop pushing COVID nonsense. And so we are heading into the situation where regardless of how Joe Biden feels, regardless of the fact that the Democrat party can still believes that they can use, um, COVID as an excuse for all of their failures, very quickly, America's just going to turn around and say, yeah, we're done and just stop. Yeah. And so maybe that's it. Like maybe he's just seeing the reality of the situation. Like guys, it's not happening anymore. It's run its course. People are over it. They don't believe you. No, you know, There are people that are cultists. They love it. They love wearing masks. They love having, you know, instead of just being the crazy cat lady, they can also be the crazy cat lady who yells about masks. You know, Mm -hmm. it gives gives some people meaning. (laughs) Yeah, it does. I think that was, that's really what, whenever, when I saw fashion companies making fashionable masks to match with outfits, that's when I knew we were screwed. Yeah, because it became a fashion accessory and then it became then then, you know, that it's now more about vanity than it is about any sort of protection from a virus. And that was very early on. And that you just go. No, no, there's no way this is going to go away in any time frame because people are latching on to this because they no longer have religion. And so they're filling that void with meaning from other places. Right. Yeah, well, and <laughs> that was uh, <clears throat> earlier this week. Joe Biden uh, held the Hanukkah menorah lighting ceremony at the White House and said whether it's in the Temple of Jerusalem or the Temple of Democracy. He referred to the oh, White House God. as the Temple of Democracy. I mean, I don't necessarily want to make a whole lot of Mark vaccine is the mark of the beast we're in the second coming of babylon (laughs) revelations i mean connections here but they're making it hard for me not to do that yeah (laughs) they're they're making it really difficult for me not to think that these people are a weird demonic cult that thinks that they're gods yeah like ushering in the end of days and the antichrist like it's (laughs) It's it just it's almost hard to make that claim anymore because of how these people act, especially because they add all this weird quasi religious significance to things that is just bizarre. You're like, well, don't call it the temple of democracy. That's only going to make me more suspicious that you actually are the thing that I'm worried that you are. Yeah. <laughs> I swear to God, though. If Armageddon is brought forward by a dork like Bill Gates or Fauci, or Biden, 
I would say that it would be totally on point. <laughs> that really? Would, that's totally how it's going to be brought about. Ah, oh, I'd be so disappointed. <laughs> like, really? Like these? These are the guys? Really? Like? Yeah. The, those are the guys, and they were kind of always going to be those guys. I think is was... is the thing. It's like, like who who do you worry more about? The the strong, capable man or the weak guy that has to hide behind technology and moral superiority. Like one of them is going to pr- produce a lot more evil. Now, one of the questions that we keep circling around, you know, throughout the program um, has consistently been, uh, what do we, um, I'm sorry, like why, why, why do we keep seeing uh, the Biden administration obsess over COVID when it seems like they could get a political win by just saying we beat COVID it's over. Everything's over guys. And the media being lap dogs would 100% say, Oh, thanks Joe Biden. You're so great because you beat COVID and Fauci's the science and Oh gosh. And we've asked like, why wouldn't they take such an easy political win? And I think one of the reasons uh, came was given to us uh, this week by Jen Psaki and it's because uh, they can use um, they they can use COVID as an excuse for every failure of the Biden administration. Um, so let let's yeah. play uh, an answer that she gives on why liberal cities that have decriminalized shoplifting. Um, are suddenly having gangs of people uh, run in and steal crap. Uh, she yeah. she has a great blame for that. So when a huge group of criminals organizes themselves and they want to go loot a store, a CVS, a Nordstrom, a Home Depot, until the shelves are clean, do you think that's because of the pandemic? I think a root cause in a lot of communities is the pandemic, yes. Oh, it's the pandemic. It's not your George Soros funded DAs that decriminalized crime, that defunded the police, that made it so that it's now essentially illegal to arrest somebody or illegal to hold anyone accountable unless they commit a serious felony, which is real and has happened across most of the country. I have a I have a friend who's a police officer in Denver. And he routinely tells me his frustrations because Denver passed all of these police reform bills. And now if someone is shoplifting, if someone is doing anything short of a serious felony, all they can do is kind of is write them a ticket and a court summons. All they can do is write them a court summons. He's like, yeah, if we if we arrest someone for shoplifting, we can't take them to jail because covid so yeah covid actually might be part of a reason but it's because they changed the criminal codes so that as part of defund police measures and talking to him he says yeah i can't take people to jail and get them off the street and then so they await trial because covid and because they defunded the police and because they changed all these laws and he says well if someone is shoplifting all i can do is write them a court summons you know what happens if they don't show up to court they get a fine you know what happens if they don't pay the fine? They get another court summons. And round and round it goes because the only way that he can drag someone into jail and force them to be accountable is if they commit a super seri- a pretty serious crime. 
Hmm. And none of the, and, and this is just, a, it puts him in this cycle where it's like, yeah, there's people with, there's, he's like, there's homeless dudes with multiple thousands and thousands of dollars of fines for pe- failing to appear to court. But none of that is necessarily a serious enough crime that warrants them getting arrested. Even if we arrest them for something else, we still can't take them to jail for all of this other stuff because it is not techni- it is not checking the box of a serious enough crime that I can actually take them off the street. And that's happening in almost every major metropolitan area. And that's why there is this huge upsurge in essentially low-level property crime, where there's rushing into stores, stealing everything, smashing windows, but it's not technically a serious enough crime that the police are actually can actually do anything about it. The police want to do something about it, but they can't because the DAs and the city councils have passed all of these defund the police measures that makes it impossible for the police to protect people and businesses. What I find to be amazing about that is... The okay, so so Jen Psaki blames the pandemic. I'm left wondering, well, okay, so uh, they're not stealing food, they're not stealing basic items, they're stealing TVs and things like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they're stealing for income, not stealing for sustenance. Exactly. So explain that to me, right? Yeah. And and Democrats will defend this because, well, I'm sure times are tough and they just at the end of the day, Democrats are hate the idea of people being mean and especially being mean to minorities And so they will come up with every possible excuse in the world to to make sure that minorities are not and minorities and criminals are not held accountable for any of the crime they actually commit. Because they'll go, but but it's so mean that we arrest black people when they commit crimes. Well, yeah, because they're committing crimes. It's like I guarantee you, if a bunch of white people ran into a store and stole everything off the shelves, a bunch of liberals would go, "That's awful. These white supremacists are destroying our nation." (laughs) <laughs> it's a, when the crowd is diverse they will do everything they can to make sure that those people are, get away scot-free right well and 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 that's that's been a thing there are videos all over of just because places like san francisco you do not get prosecuted for shoplifting and so shock yeah. uh people are shoplifting they're just stealing things and running away with them wow Big, big, big surprise. Um, but of course, yep. of course, the Democrats are going, uh, no, it, it can't be us. It's certainly not our yeah. terrible position of lawlessness. Yeah. And, you know, let's let's not, you know, let's not prosecute anybody. Yeah, it it's not our policies are a complete and utter failure. Because their policies are all based on our policies, based on like ultimate morality and good, that we're going to help people so much. It's never that those policies were wrong or misguided, because we've all been saying that they were wrong and misguided the whole time. The worst thing for the left, the worst thing for these people, is for the right to be proved correct. Oh, yeah. 
that's what they can't have. So they were willing to do anything so that the right can't be proved correct. Well, you know what they probably did. That's kind of I think what this all ends up being is I don't want to have to admit that all of those evil racist Nazis were actually right when they said that doing this would it result in a terrible place to live. And that's uh, they can't abide that. Like, no, no, no. It, it's got to be, it's got to be something else. It's purely, it's really our white supremacist legal system that's making these people driving them to crime. Honestly, I'm, I'm sure that's it. It's COVID. Oh, it's COVID driving these poor people to commit all these horrible acts. And if it wasn't for COVID, if it wasn't for white supremacy, then they would be peaceful, fully functional societies with houses and careers. They would be doctors and lawyers if it wasn't for white supremacy. Well, you know, you know how they define the right wing getting proven correct, right? How do, how do they do that? Uh, it's a threat to democracy. That's very true. Yeah. Anytime, anytime that there is the potential of the right wing being true, uh, proven correct, uh, that's a threat to democracy. In fact, what's easily you know, provable for that is, uh, you know, the new Twitter CEO took over and he has banned, uh, or at least their new policy states that, uh, videos cannot be private videos of people cannot be shared on Twitter, uh, without the consent of the people in the video. And everybody thinks that that sounds like a good thing. You know, you you would like to think that the private information, private videos and whatever of people not being able to be shared on Twitter would like cut down on, you know, disgusting tactics of the left, like doxing people and trying to get them to lose their job because of something they said or not something, not even something that they uh, did say something that you horrifically like twisted to make it sound bad. Um, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, the reality uh, is it's not going to be equally applied. This is only going to be used because the right wing has had great success at uh, pointing out how awful the left is when they were burning shit down. Yeah. Or the horrific things that the left says about like murdering people they disagree with and how violent and how gross they are. Or I don't know, sharing private information could be like, I don't know, filming a school board meeting where they lie to everybody. Right. So by the way, some information that just got uh, put out is uh, uh, Bob Dole, presidential candidate, 1996, uh, passed away today. Was it COVID? Um, well, he was 98. So, no. No, no. I had probably COVID. It... <laughs> Jesus. Actually, I know what he was really killed by was you for being unvaccinated. <laughs> Thanks. We had to say goodbye to an American icon because you per- because you... Aaron, we're personally unvaccinated. <laughs> what a jerk you are. Depriving us of Bob Dole. Yeah, so, so yeah, Bob Dole's passed away. He was 98 years old. Doesn't look like anybody's claiming uh, that it was um, COVID. Uh, I am going to play a really quick clip, actually, because uh, I'm so glad that I found this quickly. Um Two guys 
actually, uh, that have that have now recently passed away. Uh, this is uh, right after the election. This is Norm Macdonald and uh, Bob Dole right after the 1996 election when Bob Dole lost to uh, Bill Clinton. Sorry, here's the clip. You're really doing an impression of Dan Aykroyd when he does an impression of me. You know it, and I know it, and the American people know it. Ah, <laughs> uh, come on now, Senator. It's a great impression. Listen to this. Come November 5th, a lot of people are going to be surprised by Bob Dole because Bob Dole's going to win this election. Doesn't sound a thing like me, first of all. <laughs> I don't run around saying Bob Dole does this and Bob Dole does that. That's not something Bob Dole does. <laughs> You're really doing an impression. That's good. I, I, I like it because it's a, uh, it was, it was back. It was back when it would be okay to have a Republican come on to, uh, you know, Saturday Night Live and people wouldn't bleed from the eyes and vomit. And, oh, a fascist! Although they did call him a fascist. They called him a Nazi. They called him a racist. They did all those things back in 1996. Right. So, um, yeah. anyway, so that happened. Uh, I don't I don't know what kind of reactions people are going to have. I didn't know a lot about Bob. I was young. You know what I mean? I was like 11. So, uh, you know, uh-huh. um, I don't know a lot about him. It's fine. I'm sure um, I'm sure we're going to hear people from both sides talk about good, bad and in between. I don't particularly care. Ninety eight years old. It's great. Um, You know, uh, senator from Kansas. It's pretty, uh, uh, pretty cool. Um, That's really it. You know, he was a senator. He ran for president. He lost to Bill Clinton. Good for him for trying. So, yeah, I don't know how the hell the Republicans lost to Clinton after the Monica Lewinsky scandal, but here we are. So <laughs> leave it, yeah. leave it to Republicans to figure out a way to lose um, <laughs> to to what is it? Snatch, uh, snatch uh, defeat from the snatch jaws of victory from the jaws of victory. Yeah, <laughs> like, I just want the GOP to be my pallbearers so they can let me down one last time. Um, yeah. <laughs> now. Uh, so one of the other funny things that I saw this week that I have to bring up is this graph that was shared by the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, which I feel uh, proves that Democrats know or at least believe uh, that their supporters are all idiots. So let me explain. Um, this graph is uh, titled U.S. Regular All Formulations Gas Price. So it's the it's the average gas price in the United States. And there's a line and it shows the line doing a huge curve down between November 22nd and November 29th. So for in a week, this massive decline in gas prices and the tweet said, thanks, Joe Biden. Now, if you just take a look at the graph, it's. The y-axis is dollars per gallon, and it starts at $3.40, and then it goes down to $3.38. But the the line looks like it's it's just 
going way down. I mean, that thing's almost at like a 45 degree angle. The reason why yeah. is because it's three dollars and forty, and then three thirty nine five, and three thirty nine zero, and three thirty eight five. They literally did half. They they did three percentage points to make the line look like it went down, like like a, a sharp decrease in gas prices. It was two cents. Two cents. The Democrats are trying to get people excited over a two cent decrease in gas. By the way, this is after, well after, they opened up the strategic reserve. So we're supposed to thank Joe Biden that he opened up the strategic reserve of petroleum and it decreased gases a whole, uh, it decreased gas a whole two cents. Yeah. And everyone knows this is a lie. The person that wrote that tweet was buying gas in, what was it, 2014 or 15 when gas was super low, thanks to Trump. The person that wrote that tweet you mean was buying gas then. Yeah. And they knew it. <laughs> it was like, wow, yeah, gas is super cheap now and it's way more expensive under Biden. They knew that because they were buying gas then and they still wrote that tweet. Well, and you know what's funny is this is like a normal tactic for the Biden White House. Because do you remember in the 4th of July when we were supposed to be excited because we were saving 16 cents? Yeah. Remember when they celebrated that? Like, oh, 4th of July, it's 16 cents cheaper. Like, what? Yeah, your 4th of July barbecue is 16 cents cheaper this year. Now, that's not the case now. (laughs) Your Thanksgiving. Just don't say anything. Yeah, your Thanksgiving was almost double because of Joe Biden. Yeah. But yeah, yeah like we're supposed we're supposed to think about that for a second. Gas goes down 2 cents. 2 cents. And mm-hmm. you're supposed to thank Joe Biden for that? Like it's- it's insulting on a lot of levels. Well, there's really no better way to respond to this aside from if you have children in, in, in your vehicle or wherever you are, I'm sorry. Fuck you. Like, seriously? I, I mean, it's just for for all the garbage that we've had to listen to over the last five years doing this show. This, like, dear leader did a thing, all hail dear leader. Are you kidding me right now? Yeah, honestly, the media is, the media and the Democrat Party are pushing out levels of propaganda that would make the Soviet Union blush. (laughs) That's, oh, okay, so yeah, that's 100%. True international average of pressure. That's 100% true. (laughs) It's just... Like, I I guess that's the big thing. Anybody who's excited over Joe Biden, you know for a fact it's propaganda. Like, that's actually how you know it's propaganda. If they're like, oh, Joe Biden's so great. You're like, well, this is obviously propaganda because nobody's excited over freaking Joe Biden. Yeah. Like, nobody's actually excited. Anyone that is is either an idiot or they're lying to you. Judge, Judge them as such. Right. It's just, it's so bad. And what what's really funny is um, 
let, let's play let's play with some fun i don't know let's call them a conspiracy but uh I'll, i'm gonna play a really quick clip because it was you have joe biden who wanders around and like only wears masks when there's like cameras around and stuff like this and joe biden seems like he's sick and so, of course, the only uh, reporter who ever asks any real questions being Peter Ducey, you know, kind of had to ask him about his health. Because remember, the health of the president of the United States is a very important thing since Trump. Right. We have to be very concerned about the the president of the United States' health ever since Trump was in office. So asking questions about the president's health is normal. So here's uh, Peter Ducey asking about Biden because he keeps like coughing and seeming ill. Mr. President, are you are you going to be first of all, Mr. President? Uh, your voice sounds a little different. Are you okay? I'm okay. I have a test every day to see a COVID test. I have to check me for all the strains. What I have is a one and a half year old grandson who had a cold who likes to kiss his pop, <laughs> and he's been kissing it my anyway. So, uh, but it's just a cold. And yeah so you know uh you know and, and that's fine like you know there's a, yeah, i have a grandson he, he likes likes to kiss his grandpa and he has a cold okay yeah but Weird. you're 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 on the left and if uh, a republican had a cough you guys would be freaking out and demanding that they're shoved in quarantine yeah so you know, how how did how how did Joe Biden get a cold? Wasn't he wearing a mask? I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It, it well, it, like, like no. This is this is what you get. Like this is what these people get. You've turned an entire political movement into a bunch of germaphobes. So if you're sick, you're a vector of infection, Mr. President. Can't you think about yeah, honestly? The... Wait, he has a cold. Can't we invoke that whatever amendment and get him out of office? Yeah, the Twenty Fifth Amendment. Like, uh, yeah, he's a he's a public health crisis. He's he's going to give other people the common cold, and we don't have a vaccine for that. And we don't even have a cure for the common cold. No. It's actually it's worse than COVID. Lock it down. My God, lock it down. Ugh. Maybe Kamala gave him a cold so they can invoke the 25th Amendment. <laughs> hey, yeah, uh, uh, people aren't going to find this funny, but uh, if something were to happen to Joe Biden um, involving COVID, uh, would we know? Or do you think they would just deep fake him for the rest of his presidency? Honestly, if I feel like half of his presidency is him in front of a green screen anyway it wouldn't surprise me if joe biden died months ago and we're just kind of seeing the uh cgi interpretation at, at this point i would not be surprised if it's clear that they will go to any lengths in order to keep up the illusion so i i wouldn't put it past them for something horrible to happen to joe biden and them to make as like a bunch of excuses and to lie to us as much as they can, because they've proven that they're willing to do that for a ton of other less serious stuff. So why wouldn't they do that for something more serious? No, I mean, yeah, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, they'll lie about basically anything. Um, and everything. Sometimes I think they just yeah. do it to do it. Like, it's... Uh, maybe it's they like a competition. <laughs> they know nothing else other than how to dishonestly steal power but they don't know how to rule and i think that's why we're seeing what we're seeing they don't know what to do with how to rule because they put all of their effort into gaining power and influence and now that they have it i think they're they're they, they don't know what to do with it because they don't they obviously cannot embark on any program that unifies the country and goes forward doing anything productive all they can do is keep is keep doing what they've always done, which is amass more power and control. But they don't need more power and control, and that's why I think they look so schizophrenic and crazy. Well, I, I well, yeah, no, that makes that makes a lot of sense too. Um, I guess the 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 final thing for uh, for the show today, our our last little tidbit of news is uh, Chris Cuomo is finally out at CNN. Now, according to CNN, they were conducting an investigation uh, into uh, the they were conducting an investigation into allegations that Chris Cuomo was aiding his brother's P like his PR campaign for his brother about the women who were accusing him of sexual assault. Now, I want to remind everybody the thing that pisses me off about the entire Cuomo situation is that. Andrew Cuomo, the former governor of New York, who had to resign, resigned because he was about to be impeached, not because he killed a bunch of old people by shoving COVID patients in nursing homes. He resigned because he sexually harassed women. And uh, I'm not saying it's okay to sexually harass women. I'm saying that I think killing a bunch of people should probably have gotten him out of office before allegations of sexual harassment. Yeah. Like, I would like to think that killing your own citizens would have gotten you removed and we didn't need a bunch of women to be like, yeah, by the way, he grabbed my boob once. But here we are. Yeah. (laughs) Like... Everyone wants me to celebrate that Cuomo's gone and he's no longer the governor. And I'm not going to celebrate it because I think it is insane that women had to come forward and accuse him of groping them because apparently murdering your own citizens wasn't enough. But regardless, CNN refused to remove Chris Cuomo when it first came out and the obviously palling around that he had with his brother. Then his brother got accused of sexual harassment and all or sexual harassment and sexual assault. All of these things occurred. Nothing really was happening, but then uh, apparently it just got big enough that they finally investigated and they have fired Chris Cuomo. What's amazing to me is they're claiming that more evidence came to light. But they won't say what it was. Some people have said that the real reason why he was fired was because he was using his sources to dig up dirt on the women who were accusing his brother. Oh. So he basically had an operation out there to find as much, as many, like, 
things about these women so they could malign them, which, by the way, is a normal Democrat tactic. That's a, that's exactly what they did when, uh, you know, all those women were accusing Bill Clinton, like Juanita Broderick, who was raped by Bill Clinton, um, was basically called a trailer trash. And, you know, yeah. uh, 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 Paula, whatever her last name was, um, Paula Jones, Paula Jones was given like 8 million, 80 million. I can't remember uh, millions of dollars by Clinton in a settlement. And uh, Hillary Clinton is on record saying that, you know, uh, that the right wing media uh, basically was uh, dragging a dollar bill through a trailer park to find her as an accuser. So that's normal. Yeah. But something that I have to note, can you imagine being Chris Cuomo right now? Because Jeffrey Tubin still works at CNN. The guy who was jerking off on camera during a uh, during a Skype call, he still works at CNN. But you That's got why fired. I've always maintained that Chris Cuomo's fall from grace here yeah. is not because of the reasons they say it is. <coughs> I have They've covered up far worse things from far worse people. Yeah. So I have to wonder why, why now and why Chris Cuomo? Do you have any assumptions or not assumptions, but do you have any, like uh, any thoughts, like what, what potential there might be, what you think it might be? I, I think it's that he either was, he either revealed himself to not be trustworthy to the people that kind of are the power behind the throne or he did something even worse and they had to shuffle him off. Or maybe he, it's simply, he was allied with, I think it's palace intrigue probably more than anything else. He was probably allied with somebody that somebody else wanted to intimidate. So like, okay, well, we're going to get your guy fired. And that's going to prove, say, prove that, you know, millionaire or so-and-so needs to play ball or something like that. Hmm. Or, or do you, do you... I think it's for sure. It is 100% not for the reasons that they're saying it is. Right. Like, like this is obviously a, uh, a, a treaty of sorts. Meaning like, or he was doing something way worse and they're like, we need to get this guy out of here and okay, we'll, we'll manufacture some women and some other stuff to just get him out of here before this blows up. Also, there's the whole, um, Gilsey Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein trial. going. Oh oh, yeah. That somehow you would not want him to be part of CNN. Well, that, yeah, so the Ghislaine Maxwell uh, trial, that that's going on, or Ghislaine, or whatever you call her. I, I feel like it's a trap to call her Ghislaine. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the, the day that the Ghislaine Maxwell trial kicked off, the CEOs of Twitter, Walmart, and CNBC all resigned. That's definitely yeah. not weird. <laughs> you know, the, just, the super rich guy that had a pedo island that flew, like, people like bill clinton and bill gates out too and then all these top ceos and jeffrey epstein's job was managing the finances of other of millionaires and billionaires yeah so he had the crazy island had crazy pedophile island but he also was monetarily tied up with a bunch of very wealthy people and they're so there's a lot of pieces to that puzzle and Pretty much at this point, if I, I'm willing to believe almost anything about it. He was also tied up with the Mossad and intelligence agencies. It's like there's a lot of pieces to that puzzle. Yeah. And and now, to be fair, that's not super uncommon for the ultra wealthy. Yeah. But 
what is like weird the ultra wealthy and intelligence agencies to essentially be laundering money through each other and getting everybody making it lots of money under the table and probably also a fair amount of blackmail involved that <laughs> is totally on par with all of them yeah yeah there are financiers of intelligence operations it's that it's a known fact, right? Uh, stuff gets declassified. You read about it and then you're like, oh, that was in the past. Like they're going to give up on something yeah. that works. What is notable, as crazy as it is, is with this indictment of Ghislaine Maxwell, you do have people like Bill Clinton named. You have people like Bill Gates named. Harvey Weinstein. Beyonce. Companies. Yeah. Like Sony, Disney, Miramax, Def Jam Recordings. Like this is huge. Which, by the way, you're not allowed to know about. Oh, because the judge in the case said, uh, you know, this is too inflammatory. We can't have these details be made public. Additionally, the lead prosecutor in the case is James Comey's daughter. Yeah, certainly not weird. So I'm I'm about 100% sure that justice is not going to be done there because the prosecutor is James Comey's daughter. The judge in the case is some far-left Democrat that's associated with the Clintons somehow. The whole thing really stinks. Yeah, no, absolutely. But that's going to be it for today. Be sure to go over to subscribestar.com forward slash wrongthinkradio where you can help sponsor this program for just $2.99 a month. And be sure to check us out next Sunday at noon Eastern time where we're going to bring you guys everything for our updates. I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. And this is Wrong Think Radio. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs>